Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Rugby Lineout Podcast. Uh, Rugby World Cup, Rugby World Cup, Rugby World Cup. That's uh, continuing on with the theme of the last episode and pretty well uh, the tone. It's all going to be until October 28th. Um, just like last week, kind of struggled to, uh, this is my third attempt at this, so I'm going to try and, uh, kind of speed date my way through, uh, the, uh, the second round of the Rugby World Cup and the games that got played last week. We're already into round three. Italy played Uruguay today. I haven't seen the game yet. Uh, as soon as I'm done this, I'm, uh, firing up the TV and having a look, but, uh, yeah, what a great round two week. Um, a lot of great stuff in there. Uh, I have to admit that some of the, the, the games I was kind of on the fence about, but I think a lot of what we've seen is uh, particularly some of the fixtures that we didn't really perhaps think would be that interesting have turned out to be really, really interesting. And I think what's what's underwriting all of that, uh, underpinning all of that is just how competitive some of the tier two teams have really have proved to be. Um, you know, and then on top of that, you know, some really historic wins. Uh, yes, we're looking at you, Fiji. Not that as, as I've already said, it really came as much of a surprise to me. Um, I, I think that Fiji are looking good and I think they can, they can make, uh, some serious inroads into this tournament, but, you know, also, you know, countries like, um, Chile, um, Despite no wins, really entertaining. Caught the hearts and minds of, of crowds. Um, Samoa looking sharp. Uh, Uruguay almost uh, causing the upset of the century against France. Um, Portugal. It just it's it's great. It's really proving and showing what a fantastic festival of of global international rugby the world cup is and what it can do to to really develop the game and put some of these countries on the map so yeah in short round two big thumbs up all round um so yeah what we'll do is we will whip through uh just some general uh impressions overall which i've kind of already done uh, but just how the, the 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 tournament itself is running, and then we'll get straight into the pools and see how uh, my thoughts on who's going to finish where in the pools is either staying the same or changing as a result of round two's actions. So yeah, uh, overall Rugby World Cup, um, how are things going? I think for the most part, the tournament is proving to be a resounding success. Um, one of the big bugbears of round one was the whole, uh, issue around the national anthems, you know, such a vital pregame ritual for fans and players alike. Um, nobody, myself included, uh, especially myself included, I would say, wanted to take anything away from the extraordinary efforts of, uh, those French school children and school choirs who have you know, master 20 different uh, anthems in in national anthems in complicated languages at times and done a really good job of it. The problem was, as we saw in round one, that a lot of those uh, anthems without any in- musical instrumentation just sounded kind of hollow and slightly surreal and really didn't lend themselves to the atmosphere of a Rugby World Cup test match. Um, so... All credit to the authorities. Uh, By the time round two rolled around, they had 
added uh, musical instrument instrumentation to the anthems to complement the efforts of, of the children. And the end result has been fabulous. Um, you know, the anthems now have that punch, they have that weight, um, really, you know, lent um, an atmosphere to proceedings. And, uh, you know, that, that, like I say, that vital sort of pregame ritual for supporters and fans and, and creating atmosphere in the stadiums, that is now there again. And uh, so, yeah, credit to the authorities. And what I'm really delighted about is I think most of us really, you know, respected what these children had done and their effort. And, and we none of us wanted to see it it lost. It just needed some extra beef and that's been provided. So so great for the, the children um, and great for the authorities to to address that. Um, as for how the tournament, some of the teething problems we saw in the first uh, round of matches, like the, the kind of chaotic scenes of fans, you know, entry problems into the stadiums in uh, particularly the England-Argentina game in Marseille, but also in Bordeaux and so forth. Um, I haven't seen any reports on it, so I don't know whether that means that it, the issue has actually been fixed, but it certainly seems that um, work has been done and that that for the large part, has been uh, corrected. I'll give you a first-hand feedback when uh, myself and my family are in France next month for the quarterfinals in Paris. But uh, yeah, it, it does seem that that's another area that they've got on top of. On the pitch itself, obviously the whole um, consistency issues surrounding uh, officiating are ongoing. Uh, the whole yellow-red card uh, issue and lack of consistency in that continues to be a problem. Uh, some offenses are flagged, some aren't, some players getting away uh, with a, a yellow card when it should have been a red, so forth and so on and so forth. Not consistent for newcomers to the game. It's messy and confusing. Uh, not a particularly good uh, advertisement for the sport as the rules seem to be changed from one game to the next. So, yeah, I'm not really sure uh, how that's going, but it needs to be addressed. Whether or not it will be during this World Cup remains to be seen, but definitely a concern. Perhaps my biggest issue, and I know a lot of, I've seen a lot of other people comment on it though, is the tendency for almost every single try to end up going under review. Um, it's really sapping energy and momentum and spectacle out of, out of the games. Um, I understand at this level and in, in a tournament like the World Cup, you've got to get it right. And therefore, you, you know, there, there is a justification for having a second look if there's an element of doubt. But I, I think it's this almost sort of constant microanalysis of every single try is taking some of the pleasure and euphoria out of the game. You know, you'll, you'll get a kicker lining up for the conversion, and then all of a sudden, you know, you see an image of the referee pressing his hand to his ear so he can hear his TMO over the noise of, of thousands of fans celebrating. Um, next, the, the arms come up framing the TV screen, and we get five minutes of, of people just pouring over video. It's, it's not a great look. Like I say, I understand the necessity, but there is a bit of a disconnect there. You know, I, I think match officials should be allowed the benefit of the doubt unless it's blatantly obvious that the try is questionable. And again, it still goes back to, you know, we're trying to attract an audience here. We're trying to promote the growth of our game globally. And then this kind of pedant pedantic nature of, you know, analyzing everything to death is, is detracting from that. So 
I'm hoping that in round three, we're going to see a little bit more of a, a balance there. Anyway, into the pools themselves. Uh, last week, we kicked off with Pool A and Uruguay giving France the scare of their lives. Um, you know, uh, elsewhere in pool, pool A, it was New Zealand and Namibia, a completely, essentially one-sided contest. But that Uruguay-France game, wow, did I ever enjoy that. And I, I know most people did. Um, really interesting game. I, I don't know, you know, France's selections kind of gave you the impression that they thought that Uruguay was going to be a bit of a walk in the park. Uh, they certainly weren't. Um, France's defense uh, is not as good as it could be. And we saw that in the first game against New Zealand and their discipline uh, also kind of took a tumble in that, in that second game against Uruguay. Um, and, you know, it was, it was incredible. Like at one point, uh, three quarters of, of the way into that game, there was a one point difference in it between France and Uruguay. Now France did kind of manage to dig themselves out of the hole. Um, but you know, wow, did Uruguay ever come to play? I mean, they, they, they out tackled France. They had seemed to have the edge over France in the rucks for a long, for large chunks of the game. Um, neither side scrums were particularly effective. And I think where France really capitalized in that last quarter is they managed to salvage some sort of set piece dominance at line out time. They, you know, they started to really grind, uh, you know, put the screws on there, but yeah, they conceded 15 penalties, France and one yellow card, which in again, brought up the holes yellow versus red uh, for Roman Tafania. It was reviewed in the bunker, excuse me. And deemed to only be a yellow, which I, yeah, I'm sorry. And in another game, that would have been a red. Is you know we need to fix that. But France's discipline, 15 penalties. They want to get on top of that. <laughs> so you know, I think Italy uh, would have looked at that game and looked at their last game of the pool stages against France and thought, you know what, maybe we could pull something off here. We'll see. Uh, New Zealand. Now, I'm still tipping France to, to finish first, though. New Zealand still looks set to finish a comfortable second. And with the France game out of the way, the rest of the pool stage should be relatively plain sailing for uh, New Zealand. A kind of a walk in the park and a training run against Namibia. I, I think that's the best way to describe it. But, you know, New Zealand still look a bit shaky defensively, uh, discipline-wise. Their kicking off the tee is surprisingly not as good, even with, you know, uh, Richie Moanga in charge as it could be. Their kicking game isn't the best right now. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's definitely some work to do there. Again, uh, Ethan DeGroote seeing a red in that match. Um, you know, a, a ban for him now. Um, but yeah, New Zealand's discipline is is, is a concern. Uh, you know, and... New Zealand, I think, much like France, can't afford to underestimate a challenge that that possibly Italy could could pose. We'll see. Uh, one thing I do think that that New Zealand has that has come out of the Namibian game was Cam Roygaard, man of the match. Uh, I think he has blatantly laid out his case that he is Aaron Smith's successor when uh, Smith hangs up his boots at the end of this World Cup. Um, I like him as a scrum half. He's he's not shy of the physical side of things. Really good decision making. Great ability to spot space and use it. Um, 
like I say, I think New Zealand really need to fast track him for the for the new year um, and into the All Black squad. Italy didn't play, but like I say, I think they'll be licking their lips at the prospect of that final encounter with France if, uh, you know, based on that Uruguay game. Um, Uruguay, like I say, were absolutely outstanding and a total credit to the tournament. Uh, how lucky are we to have them in this tournament, despite, you know, having to play some really serious heavyweights in France and New Zealand. And, you know, I think after that game against France, um, they must surely fancy their chances today against, against Italy. And like I say, the minute I've stopped recording this, I am straight onto the TV and seeing how they made out. But I think, you know, one of the things that really came out of that was um, a great advertisement for tier two countries having more access to playing games against tier one nations. Um, and this whole new world rugby uh, set of competitions that kind of looks to exclude tier two nations for the next couple of years really is, is you know, what we saw last Thursday in Lille uh, made the case that, no, we should not be doing this. We need to get these guys more involved. But yeah, as for Uruguay themselves, what they can do in this tournament, dynamic forward pack, electric backs, move the ball around with enterprise. They're an absolute handful at ruck time. Uh, I, like I say, I think today's game is one of the games of the week in, in this, uh, this week's round of pool games. Um, but yeah, they're probably not going to go much further with New Zealand, uh, and, and Italy on their cards. Um, and, uh, so probably a strong fourth, but who knows, right? Um, Namibia looked destined for the wooden spoon, sadly. Brave, um, you know, good support from people in the stands for them, but the odds are stacked against them. Uh, their only real shot at, at a, a positive spin in this tournament is that game, final game with Uruguay. But, you know, after watching Uruguay against France, even that I think is going to be a big ask. Um, you know, their tackling, their defensive work is just not up to the standards that required of this level, and their goal kicking and line out work is just too poor. Um, pretty good at the scrum and winning their own rucks, but you know, a lot of that good work gets undone by poor execution and discipline. So, yeah, sorry for Namibia, but I think, yeah, it's not going to be a tournament to uh, remember other than a, a show of genuine heart and bravery. As for Pool B, well. You know, Ireland and South Africa look to uh, continue to build towards an epic showdown this Saturday in Paris. Definitely, that will be the game of the pool stages, I think. I think it's pretty hard to argue against that. Um, still, it's the pool of death, you know, because you've got the wild card of Scotland in there. Um, so, yeah. But sadly, I think Tonga and a very, very disappointing Romania bringing up the rear there. Um, I'm still sticking with my gut feeling that South Africa are going to top Pool B, but I, I don't feel overly confident in that prediction. But I just I don't know why I'm thinking that. Um, you know, South Africa, we've only really seen them against serious opposition in in the shape of um, uh, Scotland. Um, you know that it's hard to judge them against a really weak Romanian outfit. Um, you know, it's what can we read from that? Plus, you know, there's been the injury to uh, Malcolm Marks, uh, him now out of the World Cup. Uncertainties around Andre Pollard, kicking issues uh, off the tee for Mani Leboc, even though in, in actual play, he's been brilliant. Uh, so, yeah, it's, you know, um, it's not all roses for Scotland, uh, for South Africa, but they do look pretty, pretty impressive. 
Um, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I think they're going to go deep. I think they're going to win the pool. Uh, I think they're going to out-muscle Ireland in the end in a very, very close encounter. But they're clearly rolling the dice with using the 7-1 to one, uh, split, bench split again against Ireland. And that could backfire them on, on them quite dramatically. We shall see. Ireland, like I say, really hard to judge. They've been building nicely as the tournament uh, progresses. You know, the way I look at those for opening two games, they were kind of warm-up games with the intensity ramping up just the way they would have liked it. Um, you know, Romania push over Tonga, a bit more of a challenge. Um, looking very cohesive, looking very sharp. Their, def- uh, their discipline has been outstanding, best in the competition so far. Uh, Sexton uh, and the team as a whole have, like, blown off all their cobwebs, I think, after a relatively easy warm-up period. Uh, Sexton himself, you know, after his issues with with officials, uh, my impression, he looks very quiet in that sense. He seems to have taken it on board and he's keeping working very hard at keeping off the radar with the officials, which he needed to do, let's face it. Um, but also, you know, uh, against Tonga, he uh, he became uh, Ireland's all time leading point scorer. Um, so he's informed. There's no question about it. And his team are in form. And I think, you know, to hell with history, it's hard to argue against Ireland going deep into this tournament for the first time ever. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, against Tonga, one of the things that really impressed me, their set piece work, like if you look at their tackle success rate, their goal kicking success rate, their lineout success rate, uh, their ruck success rate, their scrum success rate, those five areas boasted a combined average of 95% success. That's impressive heading into what is now the business end of the tournament for Ireland. Um, whether they have enough, and I also don't think we've seen the best of them yet. I think there's still quite a few tricks up their sleeves that they're they're not uh, putting out on show, but we'll see. That game against that Springbok juggernaut this Saturday is it's going to hurt. And uh, I think the big thing is what kind of injuries are they going to come out of that game with? So we'll see. Scotland, we haven't seen last week. Uh, they had the week off, um, but don't count them out just yet. Uh, they are still very much in the mix. Um, and uh, they'll be get, they should also be getting some really good points hauls against Tonga and uh, Romania, which means that, you know, come that final game against Ireland, they still could be in the hunt if it came down to points differences. So we shall see. Um, but yeah, Tonga, like I say, going to finish fourth, I think. Uh, courageous, but not really quite there. Defensively, they look ill-equipped. Uh, they missed 35 tackles against Ireland, and their line-out was a complete and utter disaster. Uh, they should have an easy game against Romania, but... Uh, yeah, Scotland and South Africa are going to be real challenges for them. And Romania, sadly, have just not been at the races. Uh, they're going to finish with a wooden spoon. And sadly, they look the team out of all of them that, that is the one that's simply there to make up the numbers. Um, their best moment was their opening three minutes in that opening game against Ireland. But after that, it's all gone to pot. Uh, poor discipline, lack of real depth, lack of a game plan, poor execution, uh not dealing with the pressure very well just they're going to struggle to make uh make australia 2027 at this rate so that was pool uh b pool c has 
become my favorite pool right now. I am loving Pool C. It is, I would argue, the most competitive uh, pool out of all of them and also holds potentially the biggest surprises um, and a really good showcase of Tier 2 talent. Wales, ironically, look like they're going to win the pool. Uh, and it kind of shows that form is kind of a many layered beast heading into a tournament. You know, they did, they had really poor form heading into the tournament. They've still got a lot of issues to fix, but somehow Wales often at a world cup produce something special and they seem to be on track to do that again this time around. Um, but how about Fiji, uh, you know, and Australia crisis mode right now. But also Georgia and Portugal, great adverts for Tier 2 rugby. Um, and that clash between Georgia and Portugal this weekend is going to be a Tier 2 battle royale. That's going to be one of the highlights of the weekend for me. But yeah, Wales looking not amazing, but grit, determination, and a bit of luck. They seem all seem to be coming together for them. Um, a lot more ambitious I've seen. Uh, Wales strike me as a lot more ambitious under Gatlin this time around. There's not so much Warren Ball this time. Um, and, you know, the, when it comes to hanging on against all odds, they they are a team that traditionally is really, really good at doing that. Um, they've got grit, as, as simple as that. And, uh, you know, Fiji outplayed Wales. Um but they, they somehow managed to hang on well enough to create enough opportunities of their own to keep that scoreboard ticking over. Um, and that was very much the case in this game against uh, Portugal last week. It was not nearly as an inspirational performance as the one against Fiji the week earlier. They were clearly having difficulty in getting to grips with an opponent who was causing them far more difficulties than it looked like they'd bargained on. Their lineouts fell apart. Portugal was very effective at disrupting any kind of Welsh momentum. It was a scrappy affair. I mean, Wales did comfortably win in the end, but I think they got brought down to earth with a thump, and that's the best thing they probably needed ahead of a very challenging encounter with a wounded Australia this weekend. Um, but I can see them, yeah, winning the pool. But Georgia's that little wobble for them, possibly, as Georgia have been a real thorn in their side over the last uh, couple of years. But they do appear on track to throw the form book out the window and win the pool. But yeah, definitely uh, next, after the Springbok Ireland game, that Wallabies clash in Lyon between Wales and, and Australia is definitely the, the biggest game, of the second biggest game of the weekend. Fiji, loving it, just loving it. Uh, after that heartbreaking loss to Wales, um, they are on fire, you know. Um, and that Australia game in particular, you know, they outplayed the Australians and they really showed that they're not just flash anymore. Their technical ability is so dramatically, uh, you know, it's just so, it's improved so dramatically in the last four years, but particularly in the last 18 months. I guess the only frustrating thing I find with with Fiji is a little bit of inconsistency. Like, you know, they fix one area of their game, and then in the next game, that area, you know, drops off, but at the benefit of something else. And, and an example of that, like in the game against Wales, they boasted a 92% success rate at line-out time. Yet against Australia, that dropped to 74%. On, against Wales, their tackle completion rate was only 67%, yet against Australia, it went to a much healthier 82%. So they need to get that connection between consistency across all aspects of their game. But it's it's really looking good. Um, I, I 
I think they're well in there for a good, strong second place finish. Uh, I think they will beat Georgia and Portugal comfortably. And then it's, it's a good run in a favorable side of a quarterfinal draw for them. Australia, as I feared they would, looked like they're in danger of making an early exit for the pool stages. Uh, Georgia was, they got the job done. Um, but that game against Fiji was a disaster. Um, yeah, I, you know, England's discipline under Eddie Jones was awful and Australia's discipline under Eddie Jones is awful. Um, they, against Fiji, they considered a whopping 18 penalties compared to Fiji's 11, uh, sorry, Fiji's seven, which is pretty alarming. Defensively, they look very vulnerable, especially out wide and Wales will be aware of that. Um, you know, against Georgia, they only managed a 69% tackle success rate and were able to only improve that by 3% against Fiji. That's weak. If Ben Donaldson isn't kicking for the, is, isn't kicking for goal, you can't rely on Carter Gordon. Uh, you know, they just, their decision-making is well short of the mark. Um, and they have to win that game against Wales Sunday. Um, otherwise I think they're out <coughs> and I really have my doubts. They're going to do it, but we shall see. Uh, never write the Wallabies off. Georgia, uh, really looking good as well. Uh, a strong fourth for them. Um, but, you know, Portugal uh, could be an issue for them. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, Fiji uh, Fiji will be a, a bridge too far for Georgia. But, and, you know, but Wales, their last game of the pool, they could spring a surprise there. Portugal, I love watching Portugal. Uh, that game against uh, Wales was excellent. Um, despite their only their second World Cup, they don't seem intim intimidated by the big stage. Um, and I think if they'd been more successful at the kicking tee, the scoreline would have been a lot different. Their lineout work was excellent, uh, and they proved able to mix it with Wales at ruck time. Um, their discipline was kind of the same as Wales, despite that red card for the sort of Kung Fu kick by um, winger Vincent Pinto on Josh Adams. One try they did score was beautifully ex executed off a line out and they played some really entertaining running rugby at times. Um, you know, it, they're looking solid. And I think, you know, the, the tier two rivalry, European rivalry between them and Georgia on display this weekend should be a fascinating contest. They may well end up finishing bottom, but again, they won the hearts and minds of many a neutral, and I think they could spring a surprise. Lastly, Pool D. Uh, you know, England, wow, what a turnaround. Uh, barring a shock uh, from Samoa, England looks set to win the pool. Um, Japan, just not really there, but Samoa looking very dangerous. Uh, Argentina, we don't know. Uh, if they play like they did against England, then they'll be going home early too. So who knows? Uh, but England, yeah, you know, they have no attack still, uh, although it did look a little bit better against Japan. Um, but I think the biggest English question for England now is, you know, their defense is solid. They've got a really good territorial kicking game through George Ford. Um, and the big question is, what is uh, Coach Steve Borthwick going to do with Captain Owen Farrell? Because quite frankly... Uh, I think they're playing better without him. We shall see. Um, you know, uh, we shall see. But yeah, England really throwing the form book out the window. Um, so we'll see. And possibly ending up with a, a rematch with Fiji in the quarters. What a grudge match that's going to be. 
Argentina, we didn't see play last week, so we can't really comment, but they know it's all to do for them. Uh, Japan, you know, looked good against Chile, but um, didn't really look at the races against England. Uh, handling errors, uh, they just couldn't really get any inroads against England's defense. They started to tire soon uh, towards the end and made a lot of errors as a result. And just their defense looked increasingly disorganized and porous. Samoa, for me, are uh, a danger side. They could be the only thing that could slip England up at the end of the pool stages. Um, they look defensively a bit suspect. Um, but, you know, uh, I think I think they look very, very promising uh, if they can tighten up some of their execution, particularly in the set pieces. And then last but not least, we have Chile, uh, World Cup debutants who have absolutely captured the hearts and souls of supporters, particularly French, uh, the French. Uh, every game for Chile is almost like a, a home game for them. Um, it's been fantastic. And they have some Im genuinely impressive players, both in the forwards and the backs. But for me, fullback in Yaki Ayarza, he looks set to become one of the stars of the tournament. Um, you know, I don't think the, the score lines are overly flattering towards Chile uh, against either Japan or Samoa. Um, and But they, they did improve against Samoa. And I think, um, yeah, they're, they're a side to watch. And I think definitely Ayarza, I think after this World Cup, some French clubs are going to have his, their eyes on him. So we shall see. But yeah, what, what an entertaining tournament it's been so far. I uh, just uh, can't wait to see how it all unfolds. Um, like I say, for Pool D, which is really interesting, I think it's going to be England. And then who knows who, how the rest of that pool is going to finish. But that's it for this week. Uh, I will be back next week with a rundown of the rest of, uh, of week three of the tournament. Enjoy the spectacle, and I will talk to you soon.